0: Thank you for joining us as we start a new series of spiritual warfare today, the introduction to spiritual warfare. Um, I was getting ready for this. I've got a Bible down here. I let you know that I'm using the Warren Wiersbe study Bible. Um, some people wanna know when you're reading the Bible, what Bible are you using? So I, I'm letting you know, uh, but as I was uh, reading, the Bible, uh, just for my own time in the Word, I came to Psalms 86 9. And I, I'd like to share with you, it's kind of an introduction to this, but introduction also it says, All nations, verse, uh, it's verses uh, 9 through 13. All nations whom you have made shall come and worship before you and shall glorify. Your name. But when I read that, I thought, isn't that interesting? Um, the Lord's leading is so different. I've done so many crazy things in my life for the crazy for the Lord. Um, but one I thought was the craziest is when uh, Paul, who is um, the one guy around here that's in his right mind, uh, came and said, you know, we have all these videos they are just wasted. They're on the shelf. Why don't we put them on the web and let people watch them? And I thought, who would watch our videos? My great faith. And um, so Paul put them on and still on putting them on. But the idea says all nations whom you have made shall come and worship before you. And what has been a thrill to us because we have a part-time secretary We have Paul, who is full-time, and then you have a senile old man sitting in front of you. That's it. That's our office. And to think that this office would reach the world, it's amazing to me. Uh, 236 countries are watching our stuff. Uh, Some are big nations, some are islands of the sea, and so on. But it's amazing. And my prayer letter that I'm going to be writing and it will go out to those of you who get it, my prayer letter, I'm going to uh, list some nations that to go there as a missionary, you would be killed. And uh, we're not in those nations. And I will list so that you can pray that they would somehow stumble onto our ministry and hear the gospel because the scriptures says all nations whom you have made shall come and worship before you. Then it says, teach me your way, O Lord, and I'll walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I will praise you, O Lord, my God, with all my heart, and I will glorify your name forever. For great is your mercy towards me, and you have delivered my soul from the depths of hell or Sheol. I want to give a, a little bit of a background because we're talking about warfare here, but um, I grew up in a non-Christian home, but it was not an anti-Christian home. So the they weren't against the Lord or they weren't for, I'd say, if you ask my family, they say, well, they were for God, but it just, there was no biblical training whatsoever. And growing up in Los Angeles uh, and actually went to high school in Hollywood, uh, I was getting an awful lot of uh, training that was not necessarily the best training for a kid to get. And so when, um, when I was 16, I, I wanted to commit suicide. I was so depressed and down and all. And it's a, a miraculous story of how that didn't happen, but it should have. But God was intervening, but I had no idea of God at all. Well, then uh, when I was 19, I was between, um, uh, I didn't realize I was between a job and going into the army and I was uh, trained in the medical field. And some people came to me and shared Christ. They were navigators and navigators are still around today and I thank God for them. Um, I was saved outside of the building. I would never have gone into a church. I mean, I may have, but I don't, I had no interest in going in a church because, uh, I didn't know the rigmarole and I'd have been embarrassed. I'd be standing and they were all be laying on the floor or whatever you do in a church. Uh, you know, I just wouldn't fit. So, As a teenager, there's no way at 19, I was gonna go uh, into a building and none of my friends went to church. So like no one invited me. So I was saved outside of the building Um, and it was wonderful and I appreciate the navigators. But the one thing they didn't tell me is that when you become a believer, I leaving the world, but who's in charge of the world? basically the enemy is working in the world he's got a philosophy that is permeating all of my life growing up um i didn't have a christian view i had a definitely world view of of life and life situations and so on so as a believer I had, they gave me verses to memorize. I thank God for those verses. I thank God for the discipleship of the navigators. Um, I know that what I've been able to do in my life started with them. And so I'll always be grateful that someone uh, saw that I was worthwhile spending time with and discipling. Now, they didn't tell me one thing. And maybe it was a good thing not to. But to me, they didn't tell me that when I chose to stand on God's side of the of the big divide, the navigators have you on one side and and God on the other side of a cliff and and this big chasm between and uh, the bridge across is the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when I crossed that bridge and became a believer, what I didn't realize that I'd enter into a spiritual battle and they didn't tell me. Um, At that time warfare wasn't very uh, popular, quote unquote, if that's a good word to use, but it just wasn't. And so I didn't realize I had a lot of struggles that were really spiritual warfare type struggles but I did not know. So I want to share a verse with you that when I read this, it's cut me up short. I'm going, what in the world? I know I've read it. I read the Bible through quite regularly. You know, um, I read the Bible through once a day. If you believe that, hang up, (laughs) turn me off. (laughs) But I try every day to be reading through the Bible. Okay, that makes it better. Now, so this is uh, talking about the Lord Jesus. And it says from, and this is Matthew uh, 16, 21 through 23. You may want to look this up yourself later on. And from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and to be killed and raised the third day. Now, this was a a message. Uh, I can't remember. Um, I should have done this 20 years ago when I had a better memory. But I did find my way to work today. I want you to know that. Uh, But, you know what, um, whether this was the first time that Peter heard this, so I'm not sure, but I know it's the first time it really entered his mind. He really heard what the Lord was saying. And when he heard that and Peter thought on it, it says, then Peter took him, Jesus aside, and began to rebuke him, saying, be it far from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. Jesus turned and the word, but there, remember we told you mark the butts in scripture. (laughs) That's a good one. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Peter. No, get behind me, Satan. For you are an offense to me. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. And that's amazing when you think about it. Peter saw Jesus do all kinds of wonderful miracles. Saw him healing blind people. He raised Lazarus from the dead. Uh, He turned water into wine. Um, He just had a phenomenal ministry uh, for God. And Peter saw all of this. He saw people coming to Christ. He saw the, the sick people healed you know, blind people seeing, all of that, and Jesus said to him, here's a guy who was a disciple and saw all this wonderful stuff Jesus did. He said to him, get behind me, Satan, and I thought on that a long time. Uh, Warren Rusby has some good comments. I mean, if you have a, a Bible that has a notes, read them on, on the bottom. What will you learn? But see, the idea here is that What Peter said was in line with what Satan said in Matthew 4 and in Luke 4, the temptations of Jesus was exactly the Satan was saying, don't go to the cross. Do this instead. And Peter was agreeing with the enemy. Now, when I saw that, then all of a sudden I realized a lot of the battle that I had as a believer was that my thinking was not always God's way of thinking. And I would respond to a lot of life situations from a human perspective. Okay, let me give you, say, well, what are you talking about? Okay, I want to, we're going to, going to some other scriptures here in a minute, but I want to share with you that um, I had a lot of bitterness in my heart towards my father. And uh, I don't know if you were raised in a a home uh, in your teen years with an alcoholic father that was very mean, uh, very spooky. Um, sometimes I would barricade my door to keep him out from the bedroom, not knowing what he would do to me. Uh, my sister who is two a year and a half younger than me, uh, shared that she thought that before she got out of high school, that my dad would kill her in one of his drunken rages. So I wanted you to know that this was not a happy home and it was night after night, week after week, year after year, uh, having a lot of fear what is going to happen what is he going to accomplish what's he going to do Um, and so i was bitter towards my father and i was bitter towards him before i was saved i was bitter towards him after i was saved. i went into the army and i was bitter towards my father then i got out of the army i went to bible school a wonderful Bible college, Biola, very um, biblically oriented when I went there. I don't know what's going on there now, but when I went there, if you want to go, when I went 150 years ago, it was a good school. So they change after time, so who knows? But anyway, uh, and I was bitter all the way through school. Then afterwards, some poor church made a horrible mistake and called me to be their pastor. And I was bitter towards my dad (laughs) because, see, I had the right to be bitter. Right? Didn't I have a right? I mean, do you barricade your door at night when you go to bed to keep your father out of the bedroom for fear he's going to do something to you? And I don't mean sexual. That's not the way my dad would, like, beat you up or what he would do. Um, You know, that's not exactly how God wanted families to be. So I had a right to be bitter in my thinking. See, that's worldly thinking. And that was a battle. I was losing that battle. And finally, in in my uh, second church, I went to a, it was really a stupid seminar because they said I didn't have a right to be bitter. And I paid to go there. Can you imagine, <laughs> that's awful. <laughs> I paid this jerk to tell me I, I wouldn't have a right to be bitter. Well anyway what is um, interesting is you think of this you and i hold on to rights and it said that i am crucified with christ nevertheless i live yet not i so when i embrace the crucifixion of christ then when i go on on the other side I'm no longer living for me, I'm living for him. And so, um, if I died with Christ and I've been raised again, then it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives within me. So, what I'm getting at is a dead man has no rights unless he's in a particular church where they give you the last rites. But even then, you're still dead after the last rites. So uh, we have no rights after we die. And and so I didn't have a right. If I'm holding on to rights, that causes more problems in marriage and families. You have no right to tell me that. You have no right to do that. You know, all this stuff. Um You know, a a cop pulled me over the other day, gave me a ticket. I tore it up, threw it out. You have no right to give that to me. I don't even know your name. (laughs) That's a lie. I didn't get a ticket. But, you know, I mean, how we're so right-oriented. And as believers, we need to yield our rights to God. See, that's part of the wrong thinking. That's the world's thinking. You have no right to tell me what to do, have a right to do whatever I want, and so on. But as a believer, we don't have rights. We have responsibilities, but not rights. Yeah, our secretary said, well, I'm taking a break. I'm going to take a break for four hours. I said, you have no right to do that. She said, I gave my rights to God. (laughs) No, she didn't. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, they play the game around here, you know. But I just want, that's the battle that we have. The greatest battle is we're holding onto things that aren't true. But I don't know they're not true. See, I have I've been trained for the first 19 years of my life to think like an unbeliever. And then all of a sudden I get saved and I still think like an unbeliever. Even as a pastor, I was thinking uh, like an unbeliever. A lot of you know, I think my early message is horrible. Uh, you know, those good worldly wise baptized in a little bit of water. Um, To try to make them spiritual, it's not good. So, the scripture tells us that this battle we're in is a battle for our mind. Yeah, I know some of you probably thought spiritual warfare, if you didn't read it, this is going to be spooky stories. Well, I can give you spooky stories. I've been all over the world helping Indian groups, helping countries, all kinds of stuff in heavy, heavy duty spiritual warfare. But we're talking about the everyday stuff not the not the normal type things we're talking about everyday life I have to make choices am I making them from a human perspective or am I making them from God's perspective that's what's important so the battle is for the mind and I wish I had knew that when I was first a Christian maybe I wouldn't have done anything about it, but at least I would have known that when I signed up to follow Jesus, that I became Satan's enemy, and uh, that he's after me through thoughts and so on. So let's look at uh, a good spiritual warfare. uh, Verses is in 2 Corinthians 10, 3, 4, and 5. He says, For though we walk in the flesh, we're in a physical body. We do not war according to the flesh. So our natural response to life situations is probably wrong. We're probably responding as an unbeliever would respond. Um, You know, um, your wife doesn't make good coffee divorce it, you know, and you'll find one that makes good coffee or get your coffee from one of the coffee joints, you know, or whatever. I uh, mean, it's just the the philosophy that's out there is awful. So you're, if your kids are in public school and are on the web all the time and all that, well, what is their, what's going on up here? What are they programming in their mind? Are they programming God's way, God's truth, or are they programming the way of the world? For though we walk in a physical body, we do not war according to the physical body. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty, are divinely empowered in God, the pulling down of strongholds. What a stronghold. Strongholds is like I have a right to be bitter. Look at what my dad did. Um I have a right to get a divorce because whatever, you know, I have a right to um, beat my kids. Well, no, I'm sorry. We're not to, we're to discipline our kids, but not beat them. Uh, you know, I have a right to this, I have a right to that. And uh, you know, I don't see anything wrong with using drugs. You know, I'm a Christian. I don't see anything wrong. I mean, there are couples that aren't married sleeping together, sitting in church. And I go, why would you want to sit there? You know, I think that's sitting in the seat of the scornful. <laughs> Psalms one. I think that's, I mean, if, if I was being immoral, the last place I would go to church. Uh, but anyway, I mean, I know that goes on um, and it doesn't bother them at all. So he says, pulling down these strongholds, the wrong belief systems that we have and have believed for years. And casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. See, there's going to be a struggle. And I knew there was a struggle. As I kept reading scripture, God would say this, and yet I was doing this. But I knew enough that if God said, don't, that I shouldn't. And I should pray about it. God, help me not to do this anymore. Um because it is um, it's against your word. Um, okay? And we're, and we're to bring every thought into captivity. The word captivity in the Greek is spear point. One wrong thought, one spear, to the obedience of Christ. And being ready to punish the disobedience, when your obedience is fulfilled, so God is looking at us, and He knows that we live in the world, and we know that today you have kids with all these electronic stuff. People are writing um, books on what this electronic stuff's doing to the children, to their minds and memories. And these are doctors; these are not necessarily even Christians, but they're writing about what is happening up here with kids that are spending hours uh, on, on digital stuff, all of that kind of thing. Uh, they're being programmed. I mean, at least if I wanted to go to a movie, I had to go to movie theater. You know, I wasn't being bombarded with this stuff all day long in a philosophy that is not biblical. And so this is the battle. The battle is as I walk with God and I'm in the word of God, there's going to be a struggle because as I read in the Bible, God says this, the world says this, who am I gonna go with? Am I gonna go with God? Then if I go with God, then that truth will help me to cast down that or take it at spirit point. I'm not gonna believe that. Neil Anderson came by uh, our office to visit us. And uh, Neil and I uh, knew each other pretty well years ago. I haven't seen Neil for years. If I saw him, I wouldn't recognize him because he's as old as me. Um, so anyway, Neil said, Jim, have you tried to figure out we're doing counseling on people in spiritual warfare. What is the one thing that they have in common. Now, not the problems, you know, not the issues, not the hearing voices or seeing spooky stuff and shadows and all the other creepy stuff we get involved in, but just totally being defeated, completely defeated Christians. What is the one thing have you found that defeated Christians have in common? Well, I had to think about that. I said, Neil, I, I never thought of that. And I know I've counseled hundreds of Defeated Christians. Now, I would ask you, you know, send your answer in and win a prize. <laughs> a picture of me. <laughs> That'll scare all the spirits out of your house. You know? <laughs> no. Uh, but what what is it? It's bitterness. We have never, I have never... One person said they weren't, but I'm saying I can't tell you how many hundreds of people that have been through our counseling over all these years. And if they were defeated, they had a big stronghold of bitterness. And we'll look at that. In fact, we may next time actually look at bitterness from God's perspective and what the scripture says about it. But I want you to know that bitterness will... Cause you to live a defeated Christian life, and the enemy doesn't want you to forgive. Okay, so it becomes a stronghold, and a stronghold. I mean, simple is something that has got a stronghold on me. I mean, Paul, let go, Paul, let go. You know? <laughs> He's got a real, and the enemy has a stronghold, and so many believers that want to step out for him, and he grabs them. You're not going anywhere, you know, because. You know, we don't pick the battle. God picks a battle. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He convicts of what is wrong in my life. I mean, for years, I never even thought about the bitterness I had. And I was bitter. Um, but I know that anytime I saw someone drinking, remember we went door to door one time, so pastoring a new church in Tacoma, I and mean, we one of the people in the area you know our church was there and that we would help them. I came to the door, rang bell, and this is in a really nice neighborhood. And a guy came to the door with a cocktail. He's standing there with a cocktail and there's a glass door between us and I froze. I reacted to him. I'm okay, wait a minute, there's, you know, after I left, I stumbled through whatever. You, know, you wanna to go to hell or receive Jesus? And you know, I don't know what I did there at the door. <laughs> But anyway, this guy. Uh, I got. I could hardly wait to get away from there. And I go, Why did I freeze? Why did all of my stomach turn? I. I had like a spirit of fear that came over me seeing this guy with that drink. And it still didn't dawn on me. It's because of the bitterness I had towards my father. Until I let go of that bitterness, you know. I, I. I told the people here. I we used to go to a mission. In the old. This is the old days when people in the mission were drunkards and I'm standing up there. I took my son. He was just a little guy and he is a real sweet spirited kid. I would get up there and look at all of my fathers sitting in the audience. They're all, you know, an alcoholic all, has a, it, it gets printed on their face. Uh, and so I'm looking at all these men that I, that look like my dad and bitter. I could not love them. And afterwards, Richard would run off the platform and go down and hug on these guys. And they'd hug on Richard. And <laughs> I'm going, oh, Richard, how can you do that? <laughs> you know, I'm your father. But I can't go and hug on these guys. I, I react. There's something within me just stands right up. Well, see, that's what happens when they're strongholds. It's where the enemy can put his finger and get us. If you have a stronghold of lust. You're lusting all the time, struggling all the time. Whatever the, whatever the stronghold is, you're going to have that. So we need to take these things and bring them to the knowledge of Christ. And that's the crisis. The um, The last verse I want to share with you in the crisis of the mind is Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God which is your reasonable service okay right there have you done that have you put your body on the altar I mean some churches will have uh, where you go forward uh, to present your bodies the night my wife and I were engaged I was uh, um, a medic in the army and she was a telephone operator and the very night she got a ring we were in church and they gave an invitation to go forward and dedicate yourself to being a missionary. But I never thought about being a missionary before, but like I turned there and I said, I think we should go forward. And Marguerite said, yes, I think we should. And so we walked down to the front together in the night of our engagement and said, Lord, we're, whatever you want us to do with our lives as a couple, we surrender right now. We had no idea. I had no idea I'd end up in Sault St. Mary, Michigan. I mean, not Sault St. Mary, Michigan. Ended up here in Sioux City, Iowa. Um, I'm glad God didn't tell me I was going to go to Sioux City, Iowa, because it's getting me closer to North Dakota where I was born, and the folks moved me away because of the terrible winters. And we do have terrible winters here. Okay. But be transformed. Now, how can I be transformed? He said, don't be conformed to this world. Conform is what happens when you pour liquid jello in a mold. It takes the shape of the mold. That's conformed. Don't be conformed to this world in its philosophy, but be transformed by renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. What can transform your mind? The word of God. And there's going to be, this is what God says, this is what I'm doing. And there going to be a conflict but let God win. Say, God, I, don't, I know this is true. I don't know how to make it true in my life. Show me how to make it true. Well, one thing I'd like to share with you before we go is this is called breaking, breaking strongholds. And we have a limited number of these, but if you have strongholds in your life, the uh, Paul Anderson wrote this uh, and it's really good. And if you have a stronghold and he lists a lot of strongholds and why they're there and how you can break them, I really, uh, it's more detail. Uh, we would like to send that to you. Uh, if you will contact us at our office and give us your, your name, address and a thousand dollar check or $2,000 check. We'll even send you two. No, I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Whatever, you know, just, Just contact us, you don't have to send a check. God takes care of us, we're not counting on people. And um, God will, will see that you get one of these breaking strongholds in your life. Father, thank you. Thank you that you're telling us don't be conformed to the mindset of this world, but be transformed by the word of God. And so Father, may we continue to really read your word, study your word, and to line our thinking up with your thinking and experience the freedom in Jesus name. Amen.